Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but the truth remains indisputable. I'm Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and every day I'll be bringing you a full dose of truth on my show, Indisputable. We cover criminal justice, social justice, politics, racism, police brutality, and everything in between. I even make space for conservative voices, but not before they step into the bullpen, where I debate them on their policy agenda. In January, I hosted They Called Him Radical, a special tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It features myself, Senator Nina Turner, Ricky Smiley, and Sharon Reed. Together, we reflected on Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy, his real legacy, and considered what we can all do to continue to fight for a better world. Listen to Indisputable and They Called Him Radical on Apple Podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. There's a quick. Oh, I don't. Know, I don't know if that was actually started yet. <laughs> it went to zero, and then I was like, I wasn't sure. <laughs> Welcome to the Quick Stop Formula One podcast. My name is Nasha, and you could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Joining me, as always, is my co-host and co-founder Tandy. What <laughs> is that? What did you <laughs> to the people who are listening on Spotify? Tandy just cocked the shotgun <laughs> for no reason. I'm ready. Okay, you're ready. You are, you are ready. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm marvelous. I'm marvelous. It's Monaco weekend. I've got mixed feelings about the track, but uh, yeah, it's, you know we're yeah, back. Do you know what? I've, do you know what I've been trying to do all week is trying to gather why everyone has this mixed feelings towards Monaco, but wow. we need to get to that. We'll get to it and we'll get to it and helping us get to it uh, is someone actually that I find like, you know what, Tanya, I'll I'll be real truthful, actually. I think, did you send him? Did you send him to me? Remember, we were were like, are there actually any black people who do Formula One content? (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, is there any black people who do Formula One content? And then Tandy sent me this guy's um, profile, uh, sending me the YouTube amazing youtube content getting down into topics within f1 has a really great instagram page as well with mm-hmm. those love great pictures great stats uh glad to welcome racing house to the podcast how uh, are you hey hey thanks for having Actually, me look, look you're the first person look i've got sounds today hold on yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. God. i need to get yeah. that I need to get that there kind of sound. It. It's a long one still. We'll take that off. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel no, like I need you. to get that for my live streams. You need to yeah. I, uh, I'll send you it, bruv. Uh, but you probably don't want it. This one is it's quite long, actually. So uh, maybe like shorten it up a bit. Otherwise, it almost becomes sarcastic with how long the clap goes on. <laughs> but uh, no, but how how are you, bro? And thank you for coming on. I'm good. I'm good. Happy to... Uh... I've joined you on this first podcast of mine, so I'm. I'm wow, so, so it's your it. first first podcast. Yeah, but first you podcast. are you are the Formula One British grand like great sensei. Like oh. I see people coming to you on Twitter, <laughs> they're like, "Oh, great sensei, tell us yeah, what but, knowledge you have." <laughs> I saw in the backgrounds. <laughs> no, nobody wants my face in the the foreground where it's all happening. So nice. I'm happy to be on this. My first one. Get out of the way. Get some interesting questions in there for me. Put me on the spot. On the best podcast to do so. Yes, for sure. We're really happy to to have you on. So I guess what would be really cool to know is 
like we we only started our platform this this season um mm-hmm. so we're, we're still pretty new to this space um i guess for the people at home who who, who like you know who maybe aren't familiar with you and maybe to the people who are as well how did you i guess when did you start your your platform and i guess like it'd be cool to know like why why did you start making f1 content so this is kind of a backward story because it didn't start off with a racing house or an F1 house as you might know it as, or even any of my the other channels or pages associated with racing house. I actually started making off YouTube videos. And nice. you know how I mentioned before about the detail and the minutia and all the, the data side. Yeah. I started yeah. off doing those kind of videos, like race reviews. And I just found myself hating F1 because <laughs> I'd have to sit there during the race, mm. try and digest what was happening, take notes at the same time, figure out how I was going to present this information in a respectable way that wouldn't have me getting egged in the comments and people <laughs> hating on my videos and the content. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I'm not actually enjoying this. Oh. And you know, like when you're starting out, having some sort of engagement helps a little bit. Yeah. When you've got that, it just doesn't, doesn't really work that well long-term in terms of motivation. And I've always had like a business ambition in my mind. I've always wanted to have some sort of side hustle, typical of my generation. always want to (laughs) try and do something extra, especially watching my parents growing up. They've always worked so hard. So I've always wanted to, try and do something on the side. So I thought, okay, let me try YouTube. That didn't work straight away. So I thought, what's the best way to try and get some sort of engagement and grow the channel? So I was basically decided to try growing Instagram in terms of mimicking those big accounts that you see that literally just posts trash memes or (laughs) memes that for some reason people find funny, the data side. Um, and that really was the avenue. But what I realized was that that doesn't translate across like yeah. Instagram followers, Twitter followers, YouTube followers. They don't necessarily cross over. No. So you might think, oh, I've yeah. grown this account to 10, 20, 30, 100,000 followers, whatever you want to, whatever number you want to put there. It doesn't necessarily equate to YouTube subscribers. So I was like, I've grown it to this stage on Instagram. I'm telling people I'm on YouTube, but they're not quite they're not following over. Across. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't, there was that, that crossover didn't happen. So I had to just think I need to put in the severe hours, <laughs> severe hours and think of a way to grow the YouTube. Because it. I realized that, yeah, the Instagram's good, but you know, where's, where's the revenue going to come from? So is that business yeah. mindset where, how are you going to monetize? Um, and it might be crude but at the same time you need to think you know this is a hobby but what's the bigger goal I've always had like a vision of what I wanted to do with the content long term yeah in terms of the goals so YouTube just watching people create the content and hearing potentially how much could come out of that I just thought let me kind of split my time between the two to see what I can do on YouTube um Nice. So that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's quite funny. Me and Tandy have been having those exact conversations. Is it? This, Bring me this in. Help, let me, yeah, <laughs> what, what have you been talking about? Obviously, you don't have to divulge too much. 
we like let's just say we really like the idea that we bring black people together in sport mm-hmm. and yeah. we want to definitely expand on that yeah that's cool that's i think cool. so and i think that's it isn't it i think um i guess it's it's about yeah leveraging your platform isn't it you know no matter how big or small your platform is you know how can you leverage your twitter leverage your instagram leverage your you know your your youtube and and like how can you how can you i guess yeah making people feel a part of something i think Mm. is 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 the big thing that you know we want and i think when you know even for me i you know coming across your youtube made me feel and I know it made Tandy feel it made us feel like so much better about starting a channel because okay yeah there's someone doing it and they're doing it to like a to you know a really good level. I, I, I love your video. It's quite interesting you're hearing you talk about business because um you, you mention it quite a bit as well and like and watched like a few of your videos when you've like broken down some of the personalities within the F1 paddock mm-hmm. uh, like Toto and I think David Coulthard as well. Yeah. Uh, and I learned some stuff. So I guess, um, yeah, I guess it's cool hearing like long-term business and F1. That's kind of like the thing you would, I guess you'd want to kind of take forward. Do you get a breakdown of kind of the age range of people that watch your videos? Yeah, I do. Because um, on Instagram, YouTube, the, the, the stats and the numbers have come a long way in the past yeah. few years. Um, on my account, it's quite interesting compared to others it tends to be skewed in one age group for each channel. Okay. And for mine, for example, it's very, very spread across the age groups. Okay. There's a bigger number in the yeah. kind of the older group from about 25 to 34, yeah. but it's very even from 13 all the way up to 50s, basically, okay. which is quite unique. Yeah. Um, like we actually did an exercise in the engagement group Um where we just, it wasn't an exercise, but people were just sharing the age demographics in the chat. Oh, and I just, right. I sent mine in and it was quite different to everyone else's. Uh, maybe it's because of the, the content that I make is probably a little bit more business oriented. So a little bit more boring for the younger generation, but it's like a heavy number of people in that kind of mid, middle age range, as opposed to some content creators, it's a lot on the younger side. Um, yeah so it's quite interesting what about your kind of groupings what do you oh, find it's pretty cool yeah. um we are fans in mexico is I it old Me- oh, yeah. Yeah. Me- yeah whoever's listening yeah, to mexico big <laughs> <laughs> up you man you we are done you <laughs> <laughs> um no, that's the same with me like i was surprised especially with my instagram the following in south america is huge I think in terms of wow. cities, Sao Paulo is my biggest wow. city, wow. which is so random. I always look at that and I'm like, where does that come from? Yeah. Senna's <laughs> energy is still going yeah. strong. <laughs> that's, so that's strong. Incredible. So Sao that's Paulo, incredible. Brazil, Mexico is a big one as well. Holland, um, those those random countries or cities where they've got, they've got a driver in F1, the support is so strong. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I think I think we I think we benefit from from having Tandy. So like you Mexican. Uh, 
I would, <laughs> I would <laughs> for something else. But uh, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe there's something about you, Tandy, that's, that's mm. attracting the Mexicans. Mm. Um, but I, I guess in terms of demographics, like 60% of our listenership are, are female. Women, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, that's. I I looked at the stats and I could not believe it. I was like, "This uh-huh. is not what I expect." And I, that is yeah, insane. And they're not I here for me. <laughs> that is really unique because I know most my percentage of females is about six percent, probably even less on YouTube. Mm. Um, and there's some content creators like the F series. I don't know if you've seen. Yeah, their yeah, stuff. we know those guys. Yeah, it's obviously. Yeah. They're, they've got a huge market target market of women beth yeah. uh, f1 i know that she has quite a big female audience as well um but that 60 percent is that is yeah that's it is, and that's and you know i think uh i mean i guess tandy you can talk to it but like you know i think it's just it's i think that's really cool like i think that's really cool and i think you know um Again, the more no, the no. more of us there are opening up this space and, and I guess giving people platforms to listen to is just really cool. Yeah. Shout out all the women that watch every day. I didn't even I didn't even realise we had so many women. That That's is great. insane. That is brilliant. It's mad. Um, pretty good going. So how did you get into F1? Like how did you, or, or motorsport in general, I guess, what was it that drew you to the sport, you know, as a, I guess as a fan before a content creator? So this is probably a double edged question in terms of how it makes me feel because I know it's not the case anymore. So I used to, wow. in, I just, I enjoy most sports, but I remember when I was growing up, F1 used to be free on yeah. ITV like they used yeah. to show all the races on ITV yeah. um MotoGP used to be on ITV BBC2 yeah. um and that these were the days when Michael Schumacher was the guy who was known inside and outside of the sport um similar to Lewis Hamilton but probably not so much on a wider scale because of how media is consumed these days it's just it's insane how well known Lewis is at the moment yeah. um Rossi for for MotoGP so it was just having it on in the background when I was growing up seeing Michael Schumacher win the races being so dominant it makes you want to watch it even more and get involved and become a fan similar to um watching Michael Jordan play basketball in the mid 90s like I didn't really follow basketball but my dad used to love it used to have it on in the background again it used to be on free to air TV used to be on channel four or channel five. I can't remember which one. So it was really having that access, not having to pay for it. Um, Cause if, if it wasn't the situation that it is now, I wouldn't be able to watch it apart from the highlights. And it's, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. So that's how I got involved in it. None of my family really watch it. None of my friends until after I went to uni watch it yeah. so and that's only one friend wow. really so it's quite it's quite weird really I think but I think most people have not a similar story but they don't really have anyone else to talk about um F1 with yeah yeah so I I get in the situation like during a week if something's happening I although I've got that this Instagram YouTube account mm-hmm. I try to avoid it as much as possible because it just it drains your energy Having to. Are they on DMs and not on Instagram? 
Sorry, what? People are, people are, I, bet, I bet your DMs are like nuts sometimes. They can because, be. They can yeah, be. But... Fans, some of you guys. <laughs> and <laughs> girls. And girls, yes. Yeah. Have yeah. some questionable stuff you want to message me about. <laughs> really? Do you know what I mean? Tandy gets all the DMs. Let me tell you now. <laughs> anyone watching or listening to this podcast, stop sending Tandy weird DMs, bro. And stop and, it. Stop it. And but stop if you want to DM me, feel free. No one's DM. I've not got a single DM. Nothing. Like, yeah. nothing. Um, but no, stop Sorry. sending Tandy weird weird stuff. Um, yeah, spread spread the DMs if you're going to send them. Share them out. Yeah, share, share the workload. The, you know. Share the load. Yeah. Great. But mo- most importantly, yeah, stop, <laughs> stop it. Just stop yeah. it. Yeah, mine isn't too bad, to be honest. And a lot of the time, Instagram will just stop people getting past the request stage and you actually have to actively invite them into your DMs. But sometimes, depending on if I ask a question as well, it depends on who gets back to me, but it's... It's fairly chilled at the moment. No one likes to bother me too much, which is good. It means I can concentrate on other stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's all yeah. about having a friendly demeanour online. It is. It is. I think, you know, people like to look uh, They do live in echo chambers sometimes, so they can get a bit carried away. But I try to avoid that because I know yeah. everyone's entitled to their opinion, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone and it's just... Twitter. <laughs> I don't Mental. go near it. It's I don't crazy. go near it. I have no, like, I just, I keep comparing it to football. And I'm like, I thought football Twitter was crazy, but F1 Twitter, it's yeah. like, it's like, imagine the school playground in like year six. Mm. Yeah. But with. It's a long time ago. <laughs> people are just like it's just the fandom is weird like the attachment yeah. to the drivers is i find it weird it's it is it's very unique and um i suggested that one of the one of the other content creators do a video on it because yeah it comes out especially when people have accidents or people die in the sport i know it's rare now for a driver yeah. to to die but you really saw it and I picked it up before the Grosjean accident last year, but you saw how emotional people got about Grosjean and yeah. you saw how people got emotional about, um, I can't remember the name of um, Charles' cousin. Jules. Jules uh, Bianchi. Yeah, Jules Bianchi. Um, and then the the GP2 F2 driver. Antoine. Um, yeah, Antoine Hubert. Yeah. So these drivers, you see how emotional people get, but you need yeah. to remember... You, people don't know these drivers and Grosjean in particular, he was the most hated driver on the grid. Yeah. Not, not a few races previous to that. He's, he was a laughing stock. Yeah. So it's when these things happen, I, I think, wait a minute, how can you laugh at this guy actively, say he's crap, say all these things about him. And then as soon as he has an accident, <laughs> he's, he's, he's a hero. He's oh, the, great. It's <laughs> really weird. It's so weird. <laughs> The the way he's look, I, I don't want to get into that, but I he like I have actually. It's weird. It's weird that you said that because I watched it like from a step back, and the rehabilitation that went on with his career and how he was viewed in the F one community before and after that crash is so like polar opposites. It, it's mm. crazy. But uh, look, big up F one Twitter. You guys are crazy, but we love you. Uh, Look, I don't ones. get involved. I don't get involved. No, I need to pick up my activity, if anything. 
but yeah, it's, it's all energy. Pick it up, but not too much. Um, so look, let's get into um, let's get into the actually before we get into Monaco. Um, someone's just got a new contract, mm-hmm. big boy contract, Mister Lando Norris. Uh, multi-year contract, they say. Some are saying as much as six million pounds per year. Um, I guess what are your guys' thoughts on on the new contract? And and I guess you know Lando's, I guess status within the sport, within the team, uh, and just I guess what it means for for him and McLaren. I'll let you go first, Danny. Um, God, star boy Lando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm very happy for him. You guys know when it, if it was ever a, not saying that there's any competition, but due to what conversation has been between you know Russell versus Lando, I will always choose Lando. What does um multi year entail? It's like three years, I think, basically. Okay. So I think if it was a two year contract, they would have said two year. And I think when I say multi year, uh, yeah, I think I think it's at, at least three. It could, I mean, like, it could be a Charles Leclerc lifetime deal for five years. Um, That's what uh, you don't want to happen, though. Yeah, and like we don't know, but I mean, yeah. it's at, I think it's at least three years, three year contract. I'm happy for the boy. You know, he's starting all over Instagram. Yeah, he lunch up the other day. He's happy. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff um so i guess um what does it mean for i guess it kind of rules him out and there was like some outside out not outside chances but people are saying you know toto was saying we're looking at drivers outside of the mercedes junior program for for the seat so people automatically assumed that kind of meant lando it kind of rules him out of the running but i guess do you guys still see him maybe maybe ending up in that Mercedes seat? Or do you think he'll be able to win a, like a driver's championship with McLaren? Hmm. The last hmm. thing I feel we want is for Lando to get comfortable in McLaren. I, yeah. I don't know. It depends who you are. I frankly don't really want to see him get comfortable in McLaren because I don't see him winning a championship with McLaren. Okay. Yeah. Um. So... I'd hope that he does still kind of put himself forward towards this Mercedes thing, but we'll see, innit? We'll see. Know. Yeah. Racing House, what are, what are your thoughts? Firstly, big congratulations to Lando. Like yeah, he's, you know what? He, Ooh, put you know what? We'll do it. Do it. Yeah. There, you, there you go. That's enough, though. It's enough. It's enough. It's enough, Lando. Congrats <laughs> to him. Congrats to yeah. him. Because he's really surprised me this season. Um, I did a pre-season predictions where I just, I'm not gonna lie, I wrote him off. Come over here, Ricardo. I just binned him off because I was, yeah, I was. Just, I've I've been saying for a while, especially since that big group of rookies came through when it was Albon, Russell, yeah, um, Charles the year before, Lando in the same year. There's something about the younger generation of drivers where it just feels a little bit too relaxed. There oh, isn't okay. that. There isn't yeah. that. I just feel like there isn't that edge where they just want to literally tread on anyone that gets in their way. Win you know how Max Verstappen wants to win. Yeah, I want to see them yeah. channel the inner Max and like Lando being Lando was just the the, the jokey guy, like yeah. to another level. He took it beyond the Ricardo level. He just created a whole new niche for himself, which yeah. it helps connect with the younger fans, the younger generation. 
people love seeing that side, his personality. But at the same time, if you're not doing it on the track, um, it's hard to look past that as not being that serious, that guy that's not being yeah. serious. Um, mm. But he's come back this year and he's really surprised me because, like I said, I was expecting Ricardo to hit the ground running. He's not done that. And Lando's mm. gone beyond expectations. So got to give my apologies to Lando. I know you're watching, Lando. <laughs> apologies, <laughs> I underestimated you. Um, but yeah, I've been really impressed with him. And, and just touching on the contract discussion, um, part of it's probably Toto playing a few mind games, doing a bit of gamesmanship, yeah. just trying to keep everybody on edge, including Lewis. Um, mm. But I do believe he would have been a genuine contender. Obviously, I like to keep in mind that McLaren are the customer of Mercedes. Yeah. They provide the engines. So there's always going to be that weird relationship between all of Mercedes customer teams. Mercedes have got them by by the neck. The control <laughs> is there. They, fully, yeah. they control half of the grid, which is something I always like to remind myself of. Um, but it would cost a lot of money to get Lando out of that contract now that he's into that multi-year deal, similar to Charles. Um, but nothing is impossible because we've seen that already when George Russell stepped into the Mercedes midway through the season. Mercedes bypassed their backup driver, which a yeah. lot of people are, I think a lot of people don't fully understand how big that is. Imagine yeah, being imagine being the stand-in guy, the backup dancer, and then going to a, <laughs> a, a higher company, just bypassing you bringing mm. in another guy from another team who's already got a seat that's on the day of the show yeah on the yeah. day of the show that's, <laughs> and, the thing is, and having him travel all over the world with them that's the thing yeah. like you yeah. travel all when over you have the world a backup there and you yeah. just choose not to use it yeah um yeah i think the ties between mercedes and all the other teams they, they can obviously wield their power at any point but i'm not quite sure they'd want to do that on lando because for me, even though he's improved this season, uh, he, he needs to do it consistently until the end of the season. I want to see him keep on going. And him signing this contract, I've discussed it just on my live stream now, I want him to keep on going because we see it in so many other sports, including F1 as well. People know that they're in negotiations, so they, they step it up a little bit. They improve yeah. their performance because um, they know that they're fighting for their life, basically. They're fighting for more money. Mm. Sorry, my Inception mm. alarm. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're fighting for more money, so they, they really do step it up. And then as soon as they've secured the deal, they've signed, they kind of fall off. Um, so yeah. I hope he, he manages to continue uh, up against Ricardo. He's done a good job so far, so it's all positive from me. Yeah. apology. Yeah, for sure. I think... Um... Yeah, I think it's, uh, that situation at McLaren is fascinating. I think I think everyone expected it to be Banner FC, Carlos and Lando Part 2. Mm. And it's very clear that I don't think they actually like each other. Like, Really? I, you know what? I just honestly, there's just been, especially like, I feel like Lando gets really annoyed because he, he gets asked about Ricardo in every interview. So, yeah. Like every interview, they're like, Oh, you're beating Ricardo. Like, is how is it? Is he okay? What's Ricardo like? What's Ricardo like? And like he's had like a couple little jabs. What are you saying in one of the interviews the other day? 
Oh, he said it's not it's not his job to help him. Yeah, it's, it's not his job to help job. him in the Monaco uh, pre uh, pre race driver conference. They're like, what's the main difference between Carlos and Daniel? And he was like, oh, I mean, Daniel's old, but um, uh, <laughs> and then he said, um, and he kind of fumbled his words, but uh, he was like. Um, basically Carlos was better at getting the best out of a car, which wasn't suited to him. And Daniel struggles with that. And he's quite forthright about it. And I just, there's not that, there's definitely not that brotherly love. I think they're both fighting for their lives in that team, because Mm -hmm. if Ricardo gets beaten by Lando over the course of the, of their contract, he can kiss goodbye to any dreams of ever being in, you know, I guess in the Mercedes seat or in a world-class seat, um, you know, if he's being by Lando, Lando, obviously, if it turns out that Ricardo is a better driver, you know, if Ricardo gets used to the car and he becomes a better driver than him, then on a better driver that finishes above him, performs better than him, then it kind of, again, you know, it, it would relegate Lando to, you know, a, you know, not in that star category where I guess Max Lewis, uh, Max Lewis, uh, Max Lewis. Uh, yeah, Max and Lewis and Charles Leclerc are. So, um, yeah, it's, it, McLaren, that situation is really interesting. And it's going to be interesting to watch that develop over the course of a season. Um, but are you uh, at Racing House? Sorry, not you. Yeah, no, not me. <laughs> are you... And call me di- Saki, it's fine. Okay, Call cool. me Saki, yeah. Yeah, well, go on, Saki. <laughs> um, are you uh, a Daniel fan? Yeah, I'm a huge Daniel fan. Um, when he left Red Bull, I was uh, massively upset when that happened. Well, not massively. That's a bit of a dramatization, <laughs> but you know, I was like, "Why is he leaving a, a, a race winning team to go mm. to Renault? This is really weird." Um, Does it so, yeah. mean him? Yeah, there's there's a lot that goes on at Red Bull that nobody can really explain unless you you work in that team, but. Yeah, hopefully he can. I think this is it for him, though. I, I don't think there is another top team that comes after this. I think he needs to either make it work with McLaren and hope their their growth continues and their trajectory. Because I think they're they're probably the the best run F one team after Mercedes um, in terms of how they get the most out of the car, the progression that they make. Red Bull do a great job, but there's all the political issues that come with working there. Yeah, Christian Horner, Max Verstappen. (laughs) It's basically his car and his team, Max, which there are are a number of reasons why it makes sense, but, you know, it doesn't look good for Red Bull when it comes to their driver management and how they just get rid of drivers. People don't really like it anymore, even though previously it it was a common thing to switch between drivers. Um, mm. yeah, it's it's a very different environment. So hopefully Daniel can thrive in that environment. Um, there, there probably will be less politics, but I'm hoping he can get up to speed. He's already started to show improvements. So let's hope yeah. it continues. Are you a Daniel fan, either of you? I am. This week I was watching race reruns and I was watching Monaco 2016 where Daniel's in the pits are about, they can't find his wheels and you just see this yeah. little, in the corner you see loads of people just rolling wheels and it's just <laughs> one of them. And Lewis was literally about to like, it's insane. Like, I just feel like at Red Bull, there was a big conspiracy going on with Daniel and it was a very toxic environment for him. Mm. 
And I just, but I definitely agree with you. Like, if he he needs to make this McLaren gig work, he needs for the sake of his career, for yeah. the sake of how we will look back at Daniel, you know, in years to come. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. when you think of Australian Formula One drivers, you don't want to think Mark Webber because Daniel's a whole better driver than Mark. So, hundred percent, yeah. So his his legacy needs to get get it. Uh, yeah, I think it's similar for a lot of drivers this year as well. I think yeah. this year is crunch time for quite a few, like Carlos Sainz. Just knowing that Mick, with his big Schumacher name, is just there looming, mm. having these little yeah. one to ones with Ferrari engineers, even though he's in um, the Haas. Yeah. yeah, Haas racing Haas, suit. Yeah. He works for Haas, but. Ferrari is still putting their energy into another team's driver during a race weekend. It's so bizarre. And then you've got Carlos, um, sorry, not Carlos Sainz. You've got Checo, Sergio Perez yeah. um, there, but he's got Yuki Sonoda in the background, all the other drivers in the youth system at Red Bull. And we already see it. Red Bull don't really hesitate to switch between, between drivers. They do it pretty much every year. And I hope that Checo keeps on, um, performing in the way that he does, but it's an impossible task, in my opinion. I just actually, whilst we're here, because we never mentioned in the rape uh, in the race podcast, but um, what are your thoughts on Yuki Sonoda, guys? I guess, uh, I, yeah. What What do you guys think? I guess, uh, how do you rate his start in F one? How he's been so far, both on the track and off the track. Ooh, I'm going to include the team radio as part yeah. of off the track because that yeah. is that's part of the whole persona. Yeah. But off the track, it's not great because I can see a lot of people getting annoyed by his aura and the way that he approaches things and how he talks about his team and the car. Yeah. And he may be speaking truths, but for a rookie to be talking like this, it's just a little bit reckless, you know? It's mad. It's <laughs> reckless. It's reckless. Yeah. And it doesn't make a good impression because F1 is, F1's persona is a little bit like the British persona. Stiff, stiff upper lip, keep on going on. Cup of tea, all that jazz. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. People don't want to hear about your pains. They just want to know how you're going <laughs> to keep on going and keep on, keep on driving, keep on pushing as Max says. Um, so that persona off the track, not ideal. On the track, I've been pretty impressed with his start in that first race. But after that, yeah, I feel like he's just shown his... I'm not going to call him immature. That's a bit... no, shown that he's more, on a, he's more of a young, more of a young 21-year-old. He's got a younger mindset in terms of how he approaches stuff. That's that's my opinion because yeah. he's not really been able to just keep composed and keep going with it and just take this season as a bit of an L and just learn from what he can learn from what he can do. Basically, the fact that it's just his first season, nobody's expecting him to do amazingly. It's just about getting used to the environment. But that, yeah. I don't know whether that's a good thing at the same time that he has such high expectations, um, but it doesn't necessarily come across in the best way for him. No, Tandy. Um, Yuki turned twenty-one last week. Happy birthday, Yuki! Is it? 
Oh my yeah, God. Oh. on last week. I stalk all these guys on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> um, I definitely agree. It doesn't work having a bit of a potty mouth, does it? But why is he saying it? Why is he saying that stuff about his car? Maybe it's true. It well, probably is true. Well, you think there's, you think that they're making his car worse than Gasly's? I do. You love a conspiracy theory. You love but it. I, you know. <laughs> you love, love like. <laughs> he keeps saying the car is a piece of shit. So. Okay, so you believe him. I do. But at the same time, I do believe that everyone needs to get used to their car. And I don't want it to be one of those things where we gassed Yuki up a bit too much before he'd actually shown us what he can do. Yeah. Because this guy hasn't finished the race. Yeah. The, um, the, uh, the pit stop, uh, Fracker, uh, pod mentioned something quite interesting in that. Bahrain is a track that can gas you. They can gas mm-hmm. drivers because it's quite a simple track, um, and it's like uh, it's qu- it's quite easy to get dialed in around Bahrain. So mm-hmm. you know when he did that track, uh, with the, did that track when he did the FP? No, so the Q one time when he came second, I think. Yeah, I think that gassed everyone and that gassed okay. him. And, we love Yuki. Oh, you're, wow, look at this guy. He's amazing. Um, but, uh, but uh, yeah, and after that, he's kind of found it hard to kind of dial into the car. You know, and look, every there's been seasoned vets who have struggled going to a new team. This guy's coming up to a whole new formula. Um, I don't think anyone from F2 who's come up has really covered themselves in much glory this season. I know Schumacher is showing green, uh, green shoots of, of kind of progress, especially in like last couple of races, being able to race against Williams a little bit. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I'm willing to give you time. I just, yeah, I think, I think you're both right. I think you're both right in a sense in that I think Saki, you're right in that he needs to just take it as a learning experience. I'm sure he's probably got the seat for next season. So, you know, just learn the car, learn how to work with your engineers to get the car in, you know, in your way. Because, of course, the car's going to be more balanced for Gasly. He's been there for a season already, season uh-huh. and a half. The, you know, he's won races there. He's obviously going to have the support of the engineers. So he needs to just... It's the politics game, and he he needs to get used to that. So, but I think he's got the speed. I think he's got the speed. You know, um, yeah, it's be, a great driver. You, can, yeah, he's a good driver. driver. Good driver. Um, so, um, I want to touch on something before we get into the Monaco uh, specifically. Um, there's been a lot of talk this week between Mercedes and Red Bull. Some mind games. Obviously, there's been uh, Mercedes have obviously launched the complaint about the Red Bull, the limbo wing, they're calling it, their flexible rear wing. And that's now uh, going to be subject to testing, which Christian Horner has said uh, potentially is going to cost Red Bull around 500 grand to fix, um, to make it in line with the the testing that they're going to do. So essentially, like, it's, it, it's illegal and they're going to have to fix it. Um, so Christian's not happy. I think today after testing, I've never seen Christian this rattled. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, he, not testing after practice, he said um, Toto's more concerned about us than he is about his own team. Uh, you know, he said they're in a, the Mercedes are in Red Bull's business. 
Oh, um, it's it's hung up. But I guess I want to get wow. your opinions on the Mercedes Red Bull mind games. Does Christian have a leg to stand on? Let me ask that question, given uh, his history. Let me answer this question. <laughs> Just to put it simply, no, he doesn't have a leg <laughs> no. to stand on. Red Bull have been doing this, probably other teams as well, consistently, mm-hmm. probably throughout Mercedes entire dominance I think now we're just hearing a lot more of it and I think the team principals the bosses are Mm. utilizing the media more and more they realize that there's less noise around all of the races and it is very concentrated because there aren't any fans about um, the races are spread out more unevenly they're more sporadic and I really do feel like all the team principals especially Toto Christian they're playing the media, they're drip feeding bits of information, answering questions when they wouldn't normally answer questions. Normally yeah. you get a politician's answer from these guys, but now it's kind of all out warfare. And I I really do think this, like you said, this is the most triggered that I've seen Red Bull in a, ever actually. Yeah. And on top of that, you see Toto speaking up, which you never really, never really got these sound bites from Toto going at other teams. But I think that's partly because if you're getting attacked consistently, the FIA is targeting you consistently year after year, trying to peg you back, maybe rightly so, to create more competition, (laughs) make it more entertaining. You're going to be a little bit annoyed, especially when it comes to things like the dust system where Red Bull flagged that up so quickly I can't like when that when that news came out. I was like, "How did they notice that?" So yeah. they're paying photographers. They're analyzing the, the the videos for all these little bits where they can peg back Mercedes, and they basically um, got that system banned for Mercedes. And yeah. they've done it. They've done it more than once. So Definitely. Christian Horner can't really complain when it's happening in reverse because they're going to take any opportunity to kind of peg back their competition because they are a real competition um, this year. I know a little bit is, a lot of it is hype, but they are a real no, competition. They They've got competition. one of the best drivers that is splitting that Mercedes duo and you have to yeah. take notice of that. So every opportunity, I think Toto is realising, even though the car is improving, they need to take every opportunity to really put the pressure on. If it's going to cost Bull. Red Bull half a million to sort out, don't, don't worry, they've they've got new sponsors from Checo signing. They've got that money <laughs> yeah. there. It's fine. They that. can afford it. They've got Red Bull as a team team owner. They've got the money there. It's not about the money. It's more about the the sympathy. I think from Christian Horner, he's trying to trying to get the sympathy card out, which just just doesn't it's wash. You have work. to yeah, you have to live. You have to live by the choices that you've made. He he made the choices to make it a little bit more political in recent years, last year especially. Yeah. It's going to happen to you at some point. When you come up with an innovation, the other teams are going to want to peg you back. And I'm pretty sure Red Bull were at the forefront when it came to racing points slash Aston Martin with the brake ducts. Like you yes. have to yeah. you have to they live are. by your choices as well. It's going to happen to you at some point when you come up with that innovation. You know, I know the brake ducts aren't in a, an innovation, but it's no, a similar sure. concept. 100%. Making me laugh today was everyone who was calling him Karen Horner. 
so good. <laughs> and really um, good. Yasha's comparison to Randall from um, from Recess. Recess. <laughs> That's bruv. Let me tell you now. Yeah, this guy in, in Drive to Survive. Yeah, he was literally like, "Oh, I love, I love." He just like, "I love Mercedes." He was like going around checking it. Did you say that? He portray him as that. I've not, I've not watched Drive to Survive, by the way. On Drive to Survive, there is a the first episode. I'm pretty sure off the bat. Christian Horner's like, I love playing mind games with Mercedes. Any way we can bring Mercedes down, we're going to do it. Ah, what? <laughs> like, really? So, so You're obviously, joking. No, that I'm was for the cameras. Now, that so, was for the cameras. I don't believe he, you. Well, he, I'm telling he you definitely you now. does it, though. That he, is, he said it. Yeah, he does it. Yeah. I, I can't believe I, he admitted it, though. No, oh, mate. He, I, I don't know what. He just, you know what? Yeah, Christian, he gets gassed yeah yeah he gets gassed with the cameras in front of him he feels like a big man and he gets gassed and that's why honestly in that drive to survive episode i think he thought he's like a man of the people mm. taking the fight to mercedes and now it's 180 on him i i, I implore anyone to go and watch the coverage of his interview after practice in Monaco. <laughs> oh he God. was so rattled He's saying Lewis has got Max is on Lewis's mind because Lewis is playing mind games. He's saying that uh, Mercedes totals in uh, Red Bull's business. This that, and the other. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. I know Tandy. I know you've got you've got your own opinions on old Christian Horner. No, but did I not tell you last week? Everyone did the <gasps> shock factor when I said Christian Horner loves to chat waff. <laughs> he loves it, guys, and he, he will he will chat waff about the team so much that he bigs up the team for its bet. So when it look so when they fail, he looks stupid. I think at one point in Drive to Survive he was like, every time Netflix are here, we always lose out. Did you hear him say that? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, he, <laughs> I like yeah, how I, I love how Mercedes love to play these mind games where they'll be like, oh guys, you know, we're not doing that well and the next thing you know they've they've mm, smashed the whole team yeah. up. You know what I mean? Let's not forget Mercedes in this. Exactly. We, we all, we all like, we all consumed whatever they were selling at the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Even I started to believe it. I didn't consume nothing. I consumed it properly, <laughs> but you know, you start to realize Mercedes have been that good, and their their dominance is that strong. And then you did you hear the news about um, Paddy Lowe? What Paddy Lowe said about uh, the about 2014 when they were the turning the engines Caesar. down. So 2014, yeah. they turned the engines down. That's how dominant their engine was. So if they're, they're, if they're capable wow. of doing that once, part of me thinks they, they do it on a regular basis yeah. just to fit the wow. narrative of, oh, Max is getting close. Can Lewis, well, can, can well, Lewis continue uh, to beat him? Why not do it again? Literally, yeah, no, but they, they were, Toto came out today and said that uh, Mercedes are not going to make any upgrades to the car throughout the whole season not they're gonna do said it today but i'm telling you today this is the best time to do a pre-podcast because today toto and christian horner were just on a madness even toto wolf said to ted he was like we're not gonna make 
any upgrades on the car for the rest of the season we're 100% in 2022 it'll only be minor <laughs> tweaks trying to find um no. time from the engine and Ted was like Ted was like what like are you what, are you, what do you mean you're not going to make any more upgrades and then, yeah, it's like no more upgrades so Mercedes are essentially saying look we're going to beat you with the car that we have now Red Bull are in an arm there I know Red Bull are put they're saying this is our best chance to give max a race winning car we're gonna try and push for it so let's see it's gonna I'm be not, an interesting i'm not buying season. it mercedes are lying think- <laughs> they stopped developing they started working on 2022 yeah. well into last yeah, year so. i don't mm-hmm. think because people need to remember yeah they re- took out the dust system and then they've got the the whole low rake versus high rate concept and the grooves yeah. underneath the car but if you look at the difference between Mercedes at their best last year and Red Bull now at their best. It's just, you can't get that bad that quickly in the space of what, a few months. It doesn't happen. Oh, so you're Mercedes saying more can't conspiracy get that bad. theories. It's, is this, is this, is this what you're saying, Saki? You're, you, can't so get, you're... you can't get that bad. It's not worth <laughs> that amount of time. Grooves underneath the car and dust does not make your car that bad. And I don't believe, um, Red Bull have made that many advances in terms of development that they've wow. leapfrogged Mercedes. They've got that close to Mercedes. Uh, I think they're sandbaggers, Mercedes. Honestly, wow. I think they're just doing it tactically for the to fit the narrative. And okay. It, if you think about, if you think, <laughs> if you think about F one, like you, you have to have the dominant team being challenged. Otherwise, it's a bit boring, but it gets even more boring. Like they have to have it, otherwise people just switch off. If you know Lewis is yeah. going to win all the time, you just switch off. So it suits. That's what they were talking about in 2014 as well. It just said yeah, no. Toto said it would make them look bad by being that good. Well, it would look, attract if, too much attention. Well, if that if that was the engines turned down, then geez, Louise, I would have hated to see what it would like if they turned those engines up because. 2014 was an absolute cakewalk for those guys. Um, and look, either way, we're getting what looks to be a classic season. And this classic season is rolling on sandbaggers and conspiracy theories alike into Monaco. What do you guys think of Monaco? I'm going to come out and say it. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. Hate it. <laughs> Cannot stand Monaco Grand Prix. I, I like Monaco, but I think I've realised maybe I like it because of the views. There was yeah. um, I saw a post. Uh, I don't know where it was. It was a post earlier this week about different places you can sit and watch Monaco while you're at Monaco. And there was a guy in a jacuzzi. You guys just watching the race. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I like it. I like to see all the rich people. Well, but, look, we've just had. We've just had an interview with someone about diversity in F1. And I look, if people want to diversify the Monaco audience, put some black people in a jacuzzi, I mean, we're here. Black All people love us. to be in jacuzzi. We love jacuzzis, okay? <laughs> Stick us in those jacuzzis in Monaco. Oh, my God. Until then, I just can't. I just, it's an awful yeah. racetrack. Mm. I, think, I think the problem is, I guess, Asaki, it would be good to hear what you think as well, but I think that the media gas it, it is like obviously, uh, it is like a prestigious racetrack. It's an incredible, it's incredible to think that you are literally driving around the streets of Monaco. They're doing it so fast, precision, amazing. But they're there, they're experiencing it. They get to go to all the parties. They get to be in this prestigious place. So obviously, they love it. They love going there, and the enthusiasm 
goes back to the you know to the viewer but as someone who's never been there who watches it on tv and it's a procession race mm-hmm. you know and to the point where lewis on tires that are 40 40 laps old and shouldn't be staying in front of max wins and danny ricardo on 30 percent engine power 2018 still manages to win because you just cannot overtake for me uh, it's not a good racetrack but i don't know saki what do you think what uh, do you like monaco you know what i'm a little bit indifferent about monaco more so because of the history okay i know there's been some great like qualifying laps there in the past um and there's been some great performances from people like senna yeah but other than that it doesn't really bring anything major to the table when it comes to racing there probably is more of a a political element when it comes to monaco and the fact that it's so prestigious they can probably afford to pay a lot of money to host that race um because it brings so much to the economy and stuff like that but also it's when you talk about royal family there's obviously a prince of monaco and that ties into whoever wins the race so whoever wins the race they go and have dinner with the king of or the prince of Monaco, yeah. some sort of business like that. So there's that whole other element that you don't really get at any other race. I don't think if you win the Russian Grand Prix, you go and have dinner with Putin. <laughs> it's not a thing, is it? <laughs> so there's that other there's that other element where the history is just it's been, it's been going to that that circuit for so long. Um, I think people really enjoy more so what it means and the lifestyle the aspirational yeah. side. Yeah. Like me personally, I, I don't think I'll ever be a, able to afford to go to that Grand Prix because it just, it costs so much. Like even looking at going to Silverstone for the British Grand Prix, that's that's like a small holiday. Yeah. <laughs> the cost of that is a small holiday. Yeah. yeah. So let alone, what, what, what can you imagine Monaco is going to cost? It will be in the thousands easily. If anybody wants to be my blesser and send me to Monaco, yeah. I'm happy to come. <laughs> if you, all you weird people men- messaging in Tandy, pay for it to go Monaco if you're yeah. going to message weird shit. At least. Yeah. You know I mean? send the- put the Patreon link down in the description. <laughs> yeah, so. don't you? Please. <laughs> Start Let's, a Patreon. Yeah, right? 100%. Look, and, um, you know, uh, we are looking like we're going to see a mini ferrari revival potentially one and mm. two in fp2 uh the cars looked great uh, across both practice sessions i even though charles actually had a problem in fp1 but science was quick over both sessions um it'd be good for ferrari to to get a good result right yeah i think Charles. i really i actually do want to see him do well at his home race yeah i want to see it because he's he's obviously um been with ferrari's driver set up for a while um yeah they all they had that whole engine cheating gate thing happen that happened. yeah yeah and then obviously last year was just a myth like yeah that was yeah right off and I, I really do rate show in terms of his natural ability i, I want to see him have another race winning car in the right way not by doing yeah um some not some weird fraudulent. stuff with the engine no not fraudulent exactly <laughs> took the words out of my mouth so yeah i want to see him be able to get back up there similar to other drivers but that's a discussion george russell's another discussion um for another day so hopefully hopefully I, yeah i won't give my predictions away but yeah no worries tandy 
you know, we're, we're both really happy that Ferrari looking good again. And I'm sure that's something that you're going to kind of back up as well. You love Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Red Bull. Radiance of doubt, everyone. She hates yeah. Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Just in case you didn't catch that. Nah. Tandy is like <laughs> really hates Ferrari. For why? I still don't why know you, why. Why do you hate Ferrari? Can you break <laughs> it down for us, please? please. One day I will, one day I will, one day I will. One day it's irrational. <laughs> what, but, so there's no reason? It's, it's so irrational. <laughs> feel right to me <laughs> it doesn't feel right something about them okay i feel like illuminati ferrari that's what i think okay oh wow that um, conspiracy got out seen the hand. triangles in the in the horse logo and it's just like that's it <laughs> illuminati <laughs> wow i did not expect it to go this way but... anyway right yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope I've heard Red Bull do really well on this track. So um, is that because of the tire chain situation? I don't know, but um, I don't expect Ferrari to do any better than they normally. Their usual spot will probably be their usual spot. I mean, unless there's a big conspiracy that people think that Ferrari do really well. I think we had someone on last week who believed that they were going to do well this race. No. Uh. Thanos eight seven six did say that they're going to be well. I mean, look, they 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 were one and two in practice, so there's some pace there. But we don't know, we don't know if that's going to translate into qualifying or not. I think Leclerc will do well. Yeah. I think, yeah. Okay. Look, uh, I'm looking forward to it when he does and talking to you about it on the podcast on Sunday. Um, so um, before we round off, I guess, let me get from both of you. Um, one person who needs a big performance, who needs uh, who needs to kind of pull pull the cat out of the bag. Is that even a phrase? I don't even pull their, pull their, just sort it out. Who's going to yeah. sort it out? <laughs> yeah. Like young uh, Yuki Sonoda needs okay. to sort it out. Yeah. He does. He does. Yeah, he Why does. does he need to sort it out? Because we're rooting for him. Yeah. A lot okay. of people are rooting for Yuki. I think we don't want any mechanical failures. Yeah. We don't want any potty mouths on the on the radio. Be nice to your, to the engineers. Be nice to everyone. And at least come at least at least twelfth. Yeah. 12th that's good that's doable for him that's doable, that's doable. very yeah. doable mm-hmm. that's good i like it this is that was like your first uh like reasonable <laughs> prediction <laughs> <laughs> like, every other prediction is like i, I think it's gonna happen <laughs> um, so, no, good. that's good but look i like the outlandish predictions but this is that's a, that's a nice prediction um Saki, who do you who do you think uh I guess will do well, but who I guess who needs a big performance at Monaco this weekend? I think uh Checo. I'll go Checo. Yeah. yeah. I think this could be a race that he really does thrive. I know yeah. that he's a bit of a um street circuit pro. He likes these kind of circuits. He likes battling through the grid, but what I want to see from him is put the car on pole um, and then actually have the performance just to remind everyone 
of his name and who he is, his skills, that it's not just Max. That it's probably driving in a car that is not as good as Max. All that stuff. I think he he can actually do it at this race. I think he can get a pole because I don't think Max is um, strong at this circuit. He's never Max has never got stepped on the podium. He's never really? been on the podium at this circuit. No, so yeah. um, I think it's going to be a time for experience to kind of shine through. And Sergio's got experience and he's got the ability. So I think it's a good combination. I think he might be able to disrupt a few things. I, th- I think they were saying five out of the six seasons for Stappen's been in Monaco. He's had some kind of crash or contact. Mm. Yeah. So um, I know there was that big crash he had in his first year, and then obviously the crash in practice in 2018. Um, and then he had contact with Lewis as well uh, in 2019, trying to pass him, which was his fault as well. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to get into that. Who, who said it today? Paul the rest of it was like, oh yeah, I think Hamilton should have given him more space. I was like, brother, he, like Verstappen came out of nowhere. But anyway, I'm not <laughs> going to give Paul the rest of time on my platform. Um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I know for sure. I think um, Checo needs to qualify well. I think you're really right on that. I think um, he needs to qualify well and I guess support Max. Red, Max is saying Red Bull not looking good. Said the car's not felt good to drive. Um, I said they've, and they were, I think Max was maybe fifth in FB2, Sergio eight. Uh, so again, don't know how that's going to translate into qualifying, but yeah, I mean, if anything, it, it, this, I, if, if Charles Leclerc sticks it on pole, I might even put a cheeky a cheeky tenor on it. Like uh, they, really? I, I, look, they look really quick. You know, like the whole time. You know, when someone goes top in practice, you're like, really? okay, they won't stay top. There was a Ferrari like top or thereabouts, like over both sessions. Science, oh. even in the first wow. session, was like. So you know, they've obviously got they've got pace. But I think Hamilton. Personally, I think it's going to be Hamilton. The time he set was uh, after like eight laps on soft tires. So I don't think that's representative. I think he's got another four tenths or so. So we'll see. But um, if I was going to say one person who's going to need to have a big race, um, I was actually going to say Verstappen uh, needs a win. Otherwise, this close championship that everyone's talking about, I think is... Uh, it's. <laughs> It's not going to be a close championship. You know, he's already 14 points behind. I know we're only four races in, but, you know, let's say, you know, Verstappen has a weak weekend where he's not maybe not in the top three and Hamilton wins, you know, that easily can go to a race win in terms of uh, the points difference between the two. So, um, yeah, he needs to, he needs to win. He needs to close the gap. I think, I think Red Bull are under massive pressure. I think they talk to themselves. To be fair, they tried to not talk themselves into the title fight. They kept saying, we'll see, we'll see. But then they got a bit gassed and they said, yeah, we're, we're going to take it to him. The media have put Red Bull on this pedestal of they're faster than Mercedes. It, David Coulthard said only a racing god can stop Max Verstappen. Oh, my God. Uh, you know, <laughs> there was so much Listen. Sh- I'm going to do I'm going to do a video on this topic very, very soon because it's not just... It's just ridiculous. Mm. Some of the stuff that people say about Max is just ridiculous. And he's not, if you look yeah. at it objectively, what has he achieved in the sport? Yeah. I think he's probably equivalent or very similar to what Daniel Ricciardo's achieved. 
yeah. in terms of race wins. He's not won a championship. Yeah, yeah there are, what, four other cha- world champions on the grid at the moment? Yeah, people say that he's the best driver he's, on the grid. He's, he's the fastest. He, what did Button say? Button said that he's the naturally, he's the and most he's, naturally quick driver on the grid. Yeah. What does that mean? Uh, you've got to put respect on what a driver is saying in F1, but being the quickest driver doesn't equate to being a world champion. There's been very, very quick drivers in the past. Yeah. If you look at what Max does over the course of a race, being quick for one or two laps is not going to help your your tyres or all these other things that come into play. That's what really comes into play and sets Lewis apart from other drivers is how he manages the car, how he adapts his driving technique, yeah. how he manages his tyres, which I'm not yeah. quite sure Max has got in his armoury just yet because... You could you could say experience. You could say that's just not his style. You could say he's too experienced to be able to approach a race like that. Um, so I just think people just need to oh, calm Relax. down a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> Relax. Let him just, yeah, he's he's still 23. Let him take his time, build 23. up to winning. Yeah, he's still young. Yeah. He's, still he's young. so Can young. Me. Let him take his time. He'll get his chance. When yeah. Lewis decides to fall off or leave, they're yeah, desperate yeah, they're so for it. They're gagging for it. Joey cannot wait. They just need to get this black man. <laughs> He's winning every year. <laughs> every year, this black man wins. Oh my god! Like, and look, I'm not saying that is they are literally saying it, but I'm just saying they look the. They are, you know, they are really pushing this narrative of Max being the one to dethrone Lewis. Mm. It's not happening <laughs> this year. Let me tell you, I like honestly, uh, the way Lewis is driving at the moment is we're it's on another level. Like his tire conservation is on another mm. level. You know, he's still qualifying well. He's his wheel to wheel racing is still on point. This is not it's not like Lewis is like on the way down. He's just won a seventh title. He's won three races this season. I think he's come from behind in a couple of them, and he's and he and in the first race he had much older tires. Like you know they need to relax and Max on like full Super Saiyan, he is in his own bubble right now. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I just think they need to they need to relax with that. But um, anything else? Any more for any more? Um, let me just chuck it? this chuck this in. You mentioned about Red Bull um, saying that Checo needs to be there to support mm. Max, which I thought was so weird. For them to come out with that after obviously having a disappointing race, being pipped to Mercedes, for them to come out and say, oh, we need the Checo there to kind of defend against other other drivers or whatever they were saying, it just, for me, it indicates that one of their classic tactics of just deflecting deflection. I'm like, why? why? Checo's done an okay job. You need, you need yeah. to remember the car is probably not oh, anywhere boy. near as good as Max's and it's definitely not set up for Checo. It's Max's yeah. car. Let's get that right. It's Max's car and who knows what they're doing in terms of um, the equipment and how much they're putting into the Checo's car. But for them to come out and say that, I think it's 
people have kind of not really clocked on to what they're what they're trying to do because if you look at his record I don't think it's that that dissimilar from Pierre Gasly's during his time at Red Bull like it's not the drivers I'm pretty sure it's not the drivers if a great because Perez is a great driver he's a race winner not many drivers can say they've done that in this day and age not many and he's he's got the experience to keep it keep it um the level so high and like I really don't think it is the driver's fault. It's definitely more the environment and the car. So that's just one one thought that I had about their approach. It's a bit it's a bit weird. It. It's a bit weird. I hear it. I hear it. I think it's a very telling quote about what goes on in Red Bull in terms of that second seat anyway. They snitched mm. on themselves <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They did. <laughs> They snitched on themselves. Yeah. yeah. There's a total lack of accountability at Red Bull, which yeah. is just incredible. Mm-hmm. Hungry 2019, Lewis Hamilton is behind your driver. He's hunting him down. He's got a pit window behind him. He pitted. He hunts Max down. He wins. Two years later, your team is in the exact same position. Instead of you guys to look at the situation and go, Max can't make it to the end on these tyres. Max, you know, if Lewis pits, he's going to be able to uh, overtake him. Pit Max first. Try something different on on that second stop. But they just do the same thing again. They get caught out. And I'm not saying that if they had pitted Max first before Lewis, that he would have definitely won. But Insanity is doing the same thing over again and expecting the same result. And for them to do that, for them to be caught out again, and then blame it on the fact that they didn't have a second driver there. Who's to say that if Checo's there, Lewis doesn't just breeze past him anyway? Like, you know, I don't, for me, uh, I just, I think you're right, Zach. I think, I just think it's, um, they're so unwilling to stick anything on Max or to just say, you know, you know, Mercedes, when they mess up, they do whole social media videos yeah. like, you know what, this is what we've done in the race. This yeah. is where we messed up. This is why we tried to fix it. There's such a high level of accountability in Red Bull. It's just not there. And yeah. um, do you know what that will, that's going to be something that kind of holds them back. It's back. like yeah. Yeah. that inefficiency. Like if you look at Ferrari, Ferrari spend the most out of all the teams every single year, yet they do what they do every single year. That kind of efficiency where you're chucking money at a situation, they've got the most employees out of all F1 teams, yet they're that bad. It kind of, it reminds me of Red Bull when they came into the sport. They got the best people in, they spent their money wisely and they had like, they had the goal set. They knew what they wanted to go for. And they were just, they were going for it. Whereas the complacency comes in and you can see that happening with Red Bull. They're just complacent in in their approach. They focus on the one driver. And then when things go wrong, they don't own up to what actually happened. They just spin a new narrative about something separate to Max that doesn't involve him because he's their guy. He's their Michael Schumacher. He's their Lewis that they protect at all costs. But that's not that's not effective. It's not healthy. Um, yeah. Many people have done videos about how toxic an environment it is. I'm not quite sure it is that, but the way they approach their whole driver setup, I, I get it that you pay one driver a lot more than the other. 
but it shouldn't be to the detriment of the entire team, the other driver and your your overall image because people don't people don't really rate them in terms of how they approach things. No. No. Um just on based on what you guys were saying, I did remember that uh big up Alex does F1 stuff caused a bit of a stir last week by uh basically taking lap times uh from the first four races and he tried to do a comparison um mm. of basically Gasly Perez sorry Gasly Perez uh, and Albon and basically uh, the difference to Verstappen and uh, I guess um, in that there was like you know it was hard basically there was like inaccuracies because of how it was but it was really good it was really good exercise so he he did another one again Um, I'm just looking at yeah so I'm just going to read it out and big up Alex as everyone's stuff I'll link link this tweet in the um, uh, in the description so he did like a different one I'm just I'll read it straight out Taking on board the criticisms of the previous Red Bull Racing teammate post, this will be a detailed thread about Bahrain and Spain, the two races that each driver has competed as as Max Verstappen's teammates. In both cases, Albon was slowest, Perez is in the middle, and Gasly was closest. Um, and they hounded him out. And then they replaced him, and then the replacement was worse. <laughs> and, then, and then they replaced the replacement, yeah. and uh, you know the replacement is still not done better than Gasly. And it just shows, you know, instead of nurturing this clearly talented kid, race winner, now a race winner, yeah. podium sitter in the um, sister team. That's a bit yeah. In a, me yeah. Let me stop speaking. <laughs> no, it's not <laughs> shit. No, because oh I think because you know what, yeah. I think you're really right. When Red Bull came in, they were this new team. The way that they went racing was really mm. innovative and really cool. But I think they've been, I think this season, uh, the last couple of seasons, obviously, you know, they've just never been up to Mercedes standards or whatever. But I think this season, I think they're really going to, I think people are going to see through it. I think people are going to see that Perez, you know, everyone knows Perez is a good driver. So if Perez is struggling in that car, People are like, well, it's got to be the car now because you've had three people in there. They're all struggling. Mm. Christian Horner becoming rattled in the media as always. Not as always, but like, you know, actually quite new for him to be visibly rattled the way he is. Max Verstappen, more scrutiny on him. And I think, you know, either they're going to do well or, uh, you know, they're going to fall apart at the seams. But that's just, that's my opinion. I think this is one of the question marks I've always had around Max Verstappen. Like, although I think he competed in, was it F3, GP3? I'm not sure he competed in GP2 or F2. Um, But I like to say that the winning is a habit. Winning races and championships is a habit. And I'm not quite convinced that he's got that as a habit at a high enough level. Because if you look at all the other rookies that are tipped for the top, uh, Russell, Charles, um, they've all one at every level consistently yeah. throughout their careers. And you can't really say that for Max. He's done it at Karting and then, and then at GP3 or F3, whatever you want to call it. Um, but he hasn't done it. So I'm not quite convinced how he will um, handle the pressure or his team will handle the pressure when it comes to the crunch time. Obviously, Christian's been there and done that, but Max hasn't been been there and done that. His dad, who's probably given him instructions, hasn't been there or, or done that. His dad back in the day was probably the, one of the most overhyped 
um, drivers to enter the sport. <laughs> Literally, people were chucking money at him to get him in the team when he first joined the sport. And then he ended up probably being like, yeah, definitely one of the yeah, most well, overhyped because he, he just he didn't, was, uh, he's didn't do well at all. Below yeah. average. Yeah. Go look <laughs> up his stats. It's like, it's surprising like how average he was given he produced um, Max Verstappen, who's tipped as one of the fastest drivers yeah. ever. Considering he produced Max Verstappen. Well, his, his mum is a racing driver as well. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, he's basically... Like you know, in Rocky, is it Rocky Four? It's, it's that Russian geezer who's just like uh, Android. <laughs> That's what Verstappen is, but racing driver. He's what is his just, dad's pain? His yeah, dad's just channeled all his energy channeled, into, yeah, yeah, yeah. into him. Uh, Tandy, last word on on Verstappen before we go. Um, he's not as great as everybody's making out he is. Yeah, yeah, and I think it'll be years until we start. Not years, and when I say years, I mean two years. Give him two years. Yeah, mm. yeah. He needs a title fight, and he needs yeah. to, and he needs to mature. And um, I totally agree. Thank you so much, guys. We have come to the end of the Monaco preview pod. So, you, when you're by the time you're listening to this, it will be Friday, or maybe you're listening afterwards. It may be Saturday, maybe even Sunday. Um, but if you're watching this, please subscribe to the channel. We uh, we went over. 100 subscribers recently, hey. which is awesome. Um, Where's the sound effect? Yeah, you know what? I need to get... Uh, you know what? There you go. Here we go. Here's a clapping. There you go. I just, what I need to get is the... Uh, I'm going to get the Bashman horns. I'm like... Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I need to get bang, gunshot. Oh, gunshots. Oh, mate, I'm getting... Trust Yay. me. The sound effects on this podcast are going through the roof. Um... <laughs> But guys, no, thank you. Please subscribe to the channel. Uh, and if you're listening to us on Spotify, uh, follow the podcast uh, and obviously on Apple Drop us a comment and a rate. Leave us a review, please. Um, thank you so much, Zaki, for coming on. Um, where can people find you? Um, and yeah, where can people look you up? So yeah, Racing House on YouTube and then Racing House uk on instagram and then racing house uk on twitter maybe i'll be more active on that <laughs> if people come and join me but yeah that's pretty much it thank you for having me no thanks for coming on thanks for coming yeah. on thanks for coming i wanted to say the whole time that i really admire your posters in the back oh. they're quite cool yeah you have got some cool posters yeah. i was looking at the posters yeah. i need to get some posters now i'm looking at my background yeah. like, i look like i'm in guantanamo <laughs> 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 like, i feel like i've been or like i'm like been held for ransom in a cave somewhere <laughs> and i feel oh really feel really conscious about my background thanks saki um okay. <laughs> i didn't and, say anything was... no you didn't you, you didn't have to you said enough <laughs> Um, no, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. And um, honestly, I think it's really cool uh, what you do. You're an inspiration for us to kind of like doing this show. And, and, and yeah, it's been really cool. And thank you for uh, inviting us into the into the F1 yeah. uh, community thing. That, oh, was, yeah. that was really cool of you. So really, uh, thank you. I liked really what you're doing. It. So just keep on, keep on going with it. Um, it's, it's good to see more people with the confidence get out there. Put a, put a face to the name like I, like you said it's a bit daunting but you know 
the feedback you receive will, will give you the confidence to keep on going. So definitely yeah. keep it up. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's it from us. Uh, I'm off. See you later. Tandy. Bye-bye. Saki. Bye. And bye. See you later. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. See you later. Bye. Black voices are making an impact this month and beyond. Keep listening to discover one of our favorite shows, courtesy of ACAST Recommends. There's a lot of misinformation out there, but the truth remains indisputable. I'm Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and every day I'll be bringing you a full dose of truth on my show, Indisputable. We cover criminal justice, social justice, politics, racism, police brutality, and everything in between. I even make space for conservative voices, but not before they step into the bullpen, where I debate them on their policy agenda. In January, I hosted They Called Him Radical, a special tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It features myself, Senator Nina Turner, Ricky Smiley, and Sharon Reed. Together, we reflected on Martin Luther King Jr.'s legacy, his real legacy, and considered what we can all do to continue to fight for a better world. Listen to Indisputable and They Called Him Radical on Apple Podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com